0: Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It is so good to see all of you here this morning. Again, want to welcome you. If we haven't met before, my name is John Aniston, one of the campus pastors here, and we are so glad that you are here this morning. Can we give God praise for the worship team one more time? Awesome job this morning. Sounds, sounds so amazing. Hello to those of you down here. Hello to those of you up there. It's good to see this place filling up that's awesome it's good to have people on on multiple levels I have a feeling that there's a few extra people here this morning I just have a hunch because you woke up and you shot out of bed this morning and you said I have to get myself to church because it's Reformation Sunday amen that's why you're here no no okay got a few a few Lutherans out there but that's okay uh We are a Jesus Church first and a Lutheran Church second, but we are thankful for that today. If you didn't know the reason that Lutheran is in Lutheran Church of Hope, that's our roots, that's our heritage, that's our tradition, and today Lutheran churches around the world celebrate Reformation Sunday, that we celebrate Martin Luther nailing 95 theses, 95 uh, complaints uh, towards the church at the time to try to reform it, to bring it back in uh, conformity with God's word, nailing these, these 95 uh, complaints, things that were wrong. And so to honor Reformation Sunday, we have hammers and nails, and on your way out, you're going to make a list of all your complaints about 2020, and we're going to all nail them to the door. I'm just kidding. That might be therapeutic for some of us, though. But. I'm just kidding. Thankful, we're, we're so thankful for the witness of Luther and so many of the other reformers that have helped us become uh, who we are as a church. A completely side note to that, I want to start today with a rather odd question, but to get you thinking about our theme and our topic for today, it'll, it'll make sense very soon. I wonder, what is the best party that you have ever been to? What is the best party that you have ever been to. Some of you are thinking, John, I, that's, I don't do that a lot right now. I haven't, can't think of, I haven't been to a party for seven months. Or maybe you're not gathering in, in, in clumps of, uh, of other people and things like that. Some of you are thinking, I have some answers to that question. I don't know if I should bring them up in church. And that's okay. Uh, we won't make you share them uh, now. I don't need the details, but was it, was it a wedding? Was it an anniversary celebration or a, a graduation party? Or maybe it was just sometimes the best parties the best gatherings are those spur the moment parties when you say, okay, you bring that, you bring that, come on over, and maybe some of you had a party uh, at your house to watch one of the disappointing football games in the state of Iowa yesterday, and you're here in a state of mourning this morning. That's okay. The reason I ask that is that if you like parties, you are in really good company. Because believe it or not, one of Jesus' favorite things to do in the Gospels was to attend parties. I know that's maybe not the first thing that comes to mind when you think about, tell me about Jesus. Well, he was really a party animal, and he saved some sins. Like, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. But all throughout the Gospels, the four books of the Bible that tell the story of Jesus' life, this is how Jesus spent so much of his time. They weren't a distraction from the main thing. They were the main thing. Building friendships. Celebrating with other people hearing other story was at the center of Jesus's ministry and so today we're continuing this sermon series actually wrapping it up today in the month of October called once upon a time and we've been looking at these parables not just any stories but the stories that Jesus told particularly the last few weeks from the book of Luke and these parables which are just simple stories about things that people could relate to in everyday life but they illustrate a deeper point of the kingdom and so if you think about it Following this theme of parties, Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding reception where there was a great feast. It was a big party, and I'm sure that there was a table or multiple tables, like just happened to have a banquet table uh, up here today. We're not throwing a dinner party on stage, but you'll find out later this, this party's actually set for you. There's some spots available for you, not just three, but endless spots available. This, Jesus is modeling something for us, in the way that he lives, his first miracle was at a party. Over and over, we find that Jesus was at this person's house. Jesus was at the, the religious people's house, the unreligious people's house, the sinner's house, the tax collector's house, the Pharisee's house, all doing what? Having a party at the banquet table. Many of his parables were about parties and dinner engagements. Jesus was often confronted by the religious people for having dinner. Having parties, having banquets uh, with all the people that he shouldn't have. It's really hard to miss from the way that Jesus spent his time. That being a part of the church, being a part of the kingdom of God, is a lot like being invited to a party or to a great banquet. And you are invited. In fact, one of our favorite sayings here around hope is there ain't no party like a Jesus party. So repeat after me there ain't no party like a Jesus party. Now turn to the person next to you and say, there ain't no party like a Jesus party. Like you mean it. Tell them that right now. There ain't no party like a Jesus party. And today, we are going to find out why. If you have your Bibles, your physical Bibles, or your Bible apps on your phone, open up to Luke chapter 14 to our scripture reading for today. Luke chapter 14. If you are new to the Bible, that's totally fine. If you haven't opened that up in a while, that's fine. But you all have phones, I'm guessing. You version Bible app, and then you have the Bible wherever you Go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels, and we're in the Gospel of Luke today. And when we arrive on the scene, Jesus is at a banquet. But he's at a banquet with people that they all think that they deserve the center spots at the banquet table. They're all fighting over the main spots about who, who gets to be in first place, who gets to kind of sit at the, the heads of the table. But Jesus said, that's a lot different than the kind of party that I want to throw. You know, my kind of parties are the one where you understand that an invitation to the party is more grace than you ever deserve." Jesus says, actually, at my party, it's not about who's clamoring for the best spot at the table. Jesus says, at my party, in my kingdom, the different reality that I am ushering into this world, the way that I want to be, that my church to be, is the kind of party where everybody is welcome. That's the first thing, the first key, if you're keeping score at home today, if you're writing this down, the first key I want you to remember, at Jesus' kingdom party, everybody is welcome. Everybody's welcome. And Jesus is making this point in the middle of that setting. There are people that are arguing about who should be invited and who shouldn't be invited and who gets this best spot. And so Jesus tells this, gives us this challenge in verse 13. He says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind and you will be blessed. Now that verse is really good news and here's why. Some of you are thinking, well, that doesn't, I don't see any poor, crippled, blind, or lame people here today. Oh, it's deeper than that. Jesus is speaking in kingdom truths. Maybe, maybe you're poor materially. Maybe you're not. But have you ever walked into worship on a Sunday morning feeling empty? Maybe we're just poor in different ways. Maybe you're not, you didn't walk in here crippled (laughs) this morning, but have you ever walked into worship feeling like there's weaknesses or limitations that are holding you back? You may not be blind as you walked in here today, but have you ever come feeling like you don't know exactly the direction or where to go next in life? Some of you are here this morning and you're searching for direction. You're longing for God's wisdom to know what to do next. If any of those apply to you, then you're exactly who Jesus is looking for at the table. And so again, to squelch the arguments as Jesus often does and to make his point, he tells them a parable, a story to illustrate the kingdom. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he said to his servant to tell those that had been invited, come for everything is ready at the giant Banquet. Well, instead of responding to this incredible invitation, as you heard in the scripture reading, this master of the house gets excuse after excuse. And we discover the second truth about the kingdom party that Jesus is throwing. Unfortunately, not everybody accepts the invitation. And so the story continues, and what happens is that all the, those that were invited start to make some of the lamest excuses in the book. And one of the things I love about the Bible, if you, if you haven't read the Bible recently and laughed out loud to yourself, you're probably not reading the Bible correctly, because I just read it sometimes, and it is full of humor. Jesus is full of some kingdom sarcasm. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. He could have said this story any other way that he wanted to, but listen to how sassy Some of these excuses are, people, okay, loosen up a little bit when you read the Bible, okay? Here's some of the excuses of why people can't come to the party. Verse 18, the first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Is the field going to get up and walk away while you're at the party? Like, what kind of excuse is that, right? Well, another said, verse 19, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Who Passes on a free banquet party to go hang out with livestock. What is going on, people? These are lame excuses, okay? Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Jesus is pulling out as much sass here as humanly possible. What do people do after you get married? You go and party, right? You're being invited to a party. All these excuses. And of course, we laugh and we shake our heads and we say, ha ha, you know, those are just funny, ha ha examples. I can't believe it. But I wonder what are my excuses? What are your excuses when it comes to being all in with Jesus today? I'm not talking about going through the religious motions or I should read my Bible today, I should pray, I I, I should come to worship once in a while. What are your excuses? What is getting in the way? Jesus is handing you this invitation today, looking at this great banquet table and saying, there are places for you at the table. I have reserved this spot for you. What are the excuses that we make for not being all in with Jesus when it comes to your availability to be used by God today, to serve him, to make weekly worship a priority, to follow him every single day? I'm tired. I, I'm, I'm too busy. I, I get really booked up on days that end in Y. Uh, I just don't feel like it. On a more serious note, you know, I, in this heated season that we're in in our culture and our nation, there's some people I know in this church. I mean, we're so, so divided. I mean, hope kind of reflects Iowa in that way. We got the left wing and the right wing and everywhere in between, we got the whole bird here. And I, and I heard that there's people in this church that, that, that have different viewpoints than I do and believe different things that I just, I, I just can't associate with them. I just can't sit with them. Time out. Keep in mind, do you remember where this story is taking place? Jesus had some of his harshest criticism for the Pharisees. And who is he hanging out with? The Pharisees. Jesus is associating with his enemies. Jesus is having dinner, making friends with people on the opposite end of the spectrum than him. He is modeling something for us here. There might be some truth in some of our excuses or whatever it is. I, 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 don't, I, <laughs> I don't know how to get to the church because the road continues to be blocked off. Well, I think it opened up a little bit today, so we're excited for that. There's a little bit of a road out there. That might be a legitimate excuse, but what are the excuses that we make. We have modern day excuses as well, but don't miss God's heart in this story. He's throwing the party with you in mind, and if you're not there, you're going to miss the joy. Now hear my heart on this. Hear God's heart on this. This is not that God needs you to, to check off your, your, your weekly checklist of I went to worship. God's not Santa Claus up there with a giant list spilling out and crossing off your names. We don't send him the list of when you check in back there with the ushers. He's not checking that off to make sure that you've filled in the blanks for your week. It's because we've all been hardwired for worship and it is good for our souls. We've preached on this before. When we, when we don't make weekly Sabbath, weekly worship, weekly connecting with God a priority, it affects our spiritual and emotional and our physical health in multiple ways. Come to the party. Number one, come to the party. Don't make excuses. Number two, not only are we invited to the party, but we're called to go and invite. So go back to the story. Look at verse 21. After getting turned down by everyone else, the servant comes back and says, ah, uh, the table's empty. Nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. Okay, this is what the master says to his servant in verse 21. Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Verse 22, sir, the servant says, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. There's still room. Even with social distancing, there's still room. I'd like to add that into the story. There's still room at the master's house, even with social distancing. Now get this, okay? Because there's still room, this is what the master told the servant. If you can read this, let's read it together up on the screen. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. We get so Overly sensitive with our faith sometimes, and we forget that we have the greatest news in the world to share. There's a lot of different ways that Jesus could have told this story. That word compel is not a polite suggestion. Compel them to come in. Do whatever it takes. Lead with them because you're missing it. You're missing what life is all about. You get to have a seat at the banquet of all banquets with the God that created you today that knows you better than anybody else. And you get to sit right there next to him at the table. Not even at the kids' table for Christmas. You get to sit at the adult table with Jesus right next to him. Compel them to come in. The next truth about the kingdom party that Jesus is throwing instead of playing it safe, we are all called to invite. Not only are you invited, but we're all called to invite, not just passively, but actively reaching those that nobody else is reaching. Who needs a call this week from you? Who needs an invitation? For those that feel comfortable coming to in-person worship, that's great, but there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. You can share things from Hope online. You can invite people to a watch party, right? You can connect with people. You can come to midweek stuff in smaller groups, all of that. Who needs an invitation? I can't think of a better theme and and a way of summarizing the last dozen years here as a church. I remember back when we first started We were back at in that opening video you saw at the beginning of worship, you saw the different places that we've worshiped to say the church is not a building. Okay, we've moved about every six years uh, as a church, okay? The church is not a building. But I remember when we started at, at Hubble Elementary, we asked ourselves, particularly the missions team, asked ourselves, who's not here that could be here? Who who who's missing a spot at the banquet table? So who who could we reach out to? Who doesn't even have a chance to come to worship? Who doesn't even have the opportunity to wake up on a Sunday morning and say, should I go to church or not? For some people, the answer is just, I don't have that option. I can't. I haven't been invited. I have no way of getting there. And I was talking to one of our volunteers, and she came up to me after worship one weekend, and she said, you know, I've volunteered at a lot of our homeless shelters. And I drive over bridges, and I see people under the bridges, and I see the tent camps that we have here in Des Moines, and she says, who's their church family? You know, we just take this for granted, but, but who's their church family? And she said, what if, what, if, what if we only not only brought them to worship, but what if we served them hot breakfast? I mean, nobody's going to turn down hot breakfast, right? And about nine years ago, our breakfast club transportation ministry was born, and I will tell you this, I, for one, can't wait until we can start that again. Amen? Okay? I'm so excited about that. I don't know when that day will be, okay? And I know people are going to come to Hope Elam for Jesus, but it doesn't hurt to walk in the door and smell syrup and sausage, okay? That's, that's an added bonus to that, okay? Maybe people come for the breakfast and stay for Jesus, whatever it, whatever it takes. But here's the thing that we learned. In order to reach people that nobody is reaching, We've got to do things that nobody else is doing. There are spots available at the banquet table that Jesus is throwing in order to reach people that nobody else is reaching. We've got to do things that nobody else is doing. And nine years later, think of the thousands of people (laughs) that have experienced the love of Jesus Christ through this church because one lady was sitting, listening to a sermon one time, was sitting in worship and got a download from God, from the Holy Spirit, No, I'll just brush it off. I'm sure it's nothing. And she said, I feel like God's laid something on my heart. Let me me bring it to the table. And I said, sure, let's do it. And I said, be careful what you ask for. She came and said, I think we should start this ministry. I said, great, you lead it. So be careful of what you pray for. What kingdom idea is sitting on your heart today that might change somebody's life because you got out of your comfort zone and you shared it? There are kingdom visions in your hearts today, and some of you have been holding it inside for far too long. There are spots available at the table. But soon after we started Breakfast Club, we realized that there was other groups that needed an invitation to the party as well. A lot of you remember bringing uh, a lot of kids uh, to Vacation Bible School for several summers from the Oak Ridge neighborhood, which is down by our Our facility on Ingersoll, only to find out that because of a lot of their family situations, many of them have little to eat or without adequate uh, food or clothing or education and things like that. And so for the last five years, we've offered the WizKids program. It's kind of an after-school program into the evening on Thursday nights. We're not having them come to the building uh, right now because transportation is difficult with COVID and everything uh, like that, but that team is going to them In order to reach people that nobody else is reaching, we're doing things nobody else is doing. And if you're interested in joining that team, there's a group that's going to them and going to their apartments and keeping safe social distancing and bringing them meals and kits and help and, and connecting and keeping those WizKids connections going. It's happening there these days and that team is looking to grow. You can talk to Chris after worship about that at the Welcome Center. But I want, I want you to hear something this morning. It's not just those that we would say are in need or the, the, the poor that would be labeled by the world as in need. We are all in poverty. And maybe you've never thought about it that way before, but some are in poverty in a material sense in the neighborhoods around our church. But a lot of us are in poverty spiritually. You feel dry or disconnected from God today. Some of you are relationally poor today because you couldn't name three or four people that you could call if something was really happening in your life. And you would not be afraid and ashamed to tell them that. So let's not get on our high horse and say, well, there's those of us that are here at the party, and then let's go reach the poor. Our church is one beggar telling another beggar where to get food. One person desperate for Jesus pleading with others that are desperate for Jesus to get food. And it's not, it's not just those. There's multiple support groups. There's multiple groups and classes that are meeting here during the week. You know who some of the best inviters are at our church? Our students. We started the year, kind of doing this, Ryan Tunick leads our, our, our awesome junior high and high school ministry, and it started off, and there's some kids online, and there's some kids here in person. They are going nuts inviting their friends because they don't know any difference. and a lot of these kids, maybe they never, never even come here for church, but they're coming because they're, they're being invited to the party, and they're some of our best inviters, and every week student ministry is growing because the kids are like, this is awesome, I'm going to go home and invite my friends. And I just wonder, what happened when we grew up and became serious adults and we stopped doing that? Well, I wouldn't want to inconvenience anybody. I mean, this just literally changed my life and it's the best part of my week, but I'm not gonna invite anybody. What happened to us as adults? We got so serious. These students are just like, this is incredible. I feel loved. I feel encouraged. I found community. This party's awesome. There's empty seats. I'm gonna invite my friends. Praise God for our students. Can we give God praise for them and what they're doing in that ministry? telling their friends. And so last week I had had one of these moments. It's getting towards the end of the day and I was, some ministries were winding down here at the church and others were gearing up. (laughs) People coming and going for a variety of support groups that we have here at the church. The Drake Women's Choir practices here a couple times a week in our worship center. They were singing. Kids from Joshua Christian Academy were eating their lunch in the in the uh, commons, getting ready for student ministry that night, getting ready for Kairos, our college ministry that night. There's a Bible study coming in, people coming and going that look different and act different and are from different parts of the city, and then it just hit me. God, you're making us, by your grace, into a great banquet kind of church where everybody, where everybody is Welcome. One of those famous dinner parties that Jesus loved to attend. I see a church where despite our differences and our past mistakes and whether you care about being Lutheran or not, that is not the point. Our church background or our economic standing, our skin color or our political preferences or age, there is a place at the dinner party with Jesus for everybody. Don't miss what Jesus is doing in Luke 14. He's hanging out with people that are completely different than him. Maybe there's room at Jesus' table for those that you completely disagree with but are fiercely loved by God. I would challenge you with that over these next couple weeks. I'm sure nobody will have any opinions on Facebook. I'm sure it'll be fine. But I would encourage you and challenge you to think about that. Who is the person I just can't stand and I just want to type that comment? They are fiercely loved by God, fearfully and wonderfully made, created in his image. You may disagree with them about everything, but as Christians, we act differently, radically different because they're being invited to the party as well. And so maybe God's vision for Hope Elam isn't to be a perfect church where the lights and the the sound are flawless and the the preacher never has a subpar sermon. but rather to be the kind of church that instead of building more walls and barriers between us, we build a longer table. The world builds enough barriers between us, and maybe we could be the kind of place that builds longer tables to declare to the world around us that there's one place where we're all the same, and at the foot of the cross, (laughs) we are all people in need of a Savior. Amen? I love how pastor and author Tim Keller Puts this. I think this kind of sums up the gospel, really, on this Reformation Day, sums up our Lutheran understanding of the gospel. The gospel says that you are more sinful and more flawed than you ever dared believe. Just leave it there for a second. Thanks for the encouragement, John. But you are more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. If that's not reason to invite people to the party I don't know what is. Do not forget, we are not inviting people to a social club. You are not inviting people to, to, to one more little social event or, or getaway or, hey, let's go to church and then, and then let's eat afterwards and it'll be a nice little social outing. You are inviting people to experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ, the greatest news in the history of the world. And that's why God's calling us to build longer Tables And so a couple years ago, we realized that the table wasn't long enough at our Ingersoll location. We had no idea what was coming. So like, well, we, we, need, a, we need a longer table. Okay, well, let's, let's do a giving campaign and we are going to add on to our building. And so we thought, oh, kind of the analogy there is we'll just, well, we'll just, I understand it's from a different table, just humor me, okay? So we need to add another leaf to the table or a couple out here. And so we were going to build this, we were going to build this addition. You know, seven, eight thousand square feet. It was going to be amazing, right? We're, God, God's given us this huge vision just so we can grow the church and and add more people and and reach out. And we had no idea what God wanted to do. God says, "You think you have big dreams? I don't want you to just add another leaf to the table. I want you to build an entirely new." banquet table and it's called 25th and University. Amen. That's the vision that God has given us and God didn't just give us the banquet table for us but there's more room at the table. I want my house to be full, the master says, Jesus says in the story and so we did this campaign called Building to a Hope Beyond to support this and many of you continue to give towards that. We're coming towards the tail end of that. And praise God, because of your continued generosity, even with our purchase of this building, we are ever so close to being debt-free as a church. Praise God for that. And it's not, I don't really get excited about money. I get excited about being debt-free so that more money that comes in can go out. That's what I get excited about. So we can build a bigger banquet table and welcome people in. God did not bless us with a larger space to say, wow, Look at us. We have this great big space. Aren't we so amazing? God gave us a big space so that you could invite your friends and we could fill it with people. So that we could be a good steward of that. Jesus isn't beating around the bush in Luke chapter 14 when the master says, I want my house to be full. He's saying, I literally want my house to be full with social distancing measures. I want my house to be full, okay? Don't miss Jesus' heart in that. Less barriers, longer tables. And so about a little over a year ago, this is after a 20-year relationship, we started to have these intentional conversations with Elam Christian Fellowship. And beginning, if you missed it last week, on November 15th, we are going to have some new friends at the table as we worship here as Hope Elam for the very first time. And we're so excited about that. Yes, you can clap for that anytime, you bet. Not just some new people at the table, but friends. Family, actually. (laughs) We talked about last week that when Jesus sat down at these famous dinner parties to eat with people, it was not just, oh, we're acquaintances. "We're, We're friends. We're family. And just so we're on the same page. When we really start doing ministry with our friends at Elam, when we start worshiping together, I want to make one thing clear. This is not them stepping into our house. It's both of us stepping into God's house together and hosting the party together for the sake of the city and the world around us. It's family around the table together on equal ground. Amen? That's what we're called to do for the city around us. There's going to be some people at the table literally here in a few weeks that look differently than you and me, that act differently, that worship differently, then clap different. It may get a little bit more rowdy in here. When you gather, you think about it, when you gather around the Thanksgiving table with your extended family, is it just nice and peaceful all the time, okay? Just bring up your favorite political candidate, and it's fireworks, right? But do you cease being family? Because you have a few disagreements, because somebody offends you, Because they like the Hawkeyes and you like the Sight or whatever it is, whatever your differences are because your skin is a different color. You just, oh, we're going to stop being family. I I can't associate with you. No, we're learning how to be family. We're still family and we're learning how to love each other. Because here's the thing. We're two very different churches. I just, if it hasn't hit you, I'm just going to prep you for this a little bit. There's going to be some things that look different and sound different around here, but there is way more that unites us, than what divides us. We will not let the life-changing mission of Jesus Christ be hijacked by staying divided on preferences or opinions or styles of doing church. Amen? Amen. The party, the table, the kingdom of God is open to all. And that's the final truth on Jesus' party. When you sit down at the table, friendship is formed. Some of you are going to be sitting at the table and you, maybe you've been here since we started. And you're like, oh man, I remember the city branch days. It was great. I knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody. Worship, I was on every committee. You know, worship could be the way that I wanted it to be and ministries could be the way that I wanted it to be and, and this could be there and this could be there and I could arrange it just the way. And all of a sudden, there's going to be this whole new table and there's all these people sitting across from the table like, whoa, well, whoa, whoa, this is messing with me here. Everything, everything was just the way that I wanted it and now there's all these new friends and family members at the table and this is, this is a little bit out of my comfort zone and I don't know if I can handle this because I, I have different preferences and I have different ideas and all of a sudden Jesus says, that's the point. Maybe church could be the one place in our culture where that happens. It can't happen anywhere else. When you sit down and we get out of our comfort zones to befriend and become family with people that are not like us, Incredible things happen for the kingdom. And I saw a pretty amazing example of this this past week, a video I saw in the most unlikely place possible at a barbecue joint. Take a look at what happens when we get out of our comfort zone. We end with a sweet and tender Southern barbecue experience. Steve Hartman serves it up on the road. For barbecue
1: lovers, Brad's Barbecue in Oxford, Alabama is heaven on earth. But 80-year-old Eleanor Baker says her visit here earlier this month was especially divine. I think it was a God thing. I think God sent me there. You think we needed the example? Yes, that people care about other people and how important it is. (laughs) Eleanor is a widow. She lives with her dog, Rufus. And although she has a big family, they mostly live out of town. So Eleanor was alone the night she went to Brad's Barbecue. Security footage shows her entering there in the purple. And at about that same time, these three young men arrived. They say they were just having a good old time. We was all just sitting there just talking. When Jamario Howard noticed Eleanor. An older woman sitting by herself. Jamario says he hates seeing people eat alone. And I've seen that. When most of us see someone eating alone, we feel that way. But our sympathy never solves anything. And Jamario really wanted to fix this. So he got up from his table and sat at hers. He just came up and he said, I saw you sitting over here alone. And he said, do you mind having some company?
0: And she said, go right ahead. And then I introduced myself
1: and she introduced herself. And it's kind of how it all got started. They all ended up having dinner together. And it was just a really nice, pleasant evening. What those 20-somethings did that night speaks volumes about their character. But they say it wasn't entirely altruistic. They enjoyed her company as much as she enjoyed theirs. Because when we left there, that's all we talked about. When you make that kind of connection with somebody, it's hard to let it go like I already feel like we're her grandkids. So you got room for these guys in your life? Of course. I'm, I'm so doing. glad y'all could make it. They have all vowed to make room for one another. And certainly, if Eleanor's right, that God played any role in this, it may be to remind us of the joy that awaits just outside the bubbles we live in.
0: I used to say when I
1: was younger, and I still said today, like, I'm going to change the world somehow. And I don't know how... Because I'm not rich, I'm not famous, and I'm not very smart either, so I can't be the president. But we can show the world that it's all right to be kind, and then before long, maybe the world will be a much better place.
0: <laughs>
1: Amen. Steve Hartman, on the road, in Oxford, Alabama.
0: If, if God played a role in any of this, just hypothetically... Maybe it was to remind us of the joy that awaits just outside the bubbles that we live in. Some of you have just been living in the Christianity bubble for a long time where it's safe and it's comfortable and you kind of come and do your thing. You could come and worship and you could stay in your bubble and you could go about Christianity and and what's in it for you, but you'll miss the joy And that's what our master, that's what God is so, that's why he's so passionate about you accepting this invitation to come to the party, particularly here at 25th and University, where bubbles are going to burst and where walls are going to come down and where longer tables are going to be built. Because friendship and serving a neighborhood and merging two churches together cannot be done as a side project in the midst of our hectic lives. It requires... Our presence. Pastor and author Kerry Newhoff says this, love has a speed and it's slower than I am. There's a good chance it's slower than you are. Love pauses, love lingers, love offers full focus and gives far more than it takes because when I run too fast, I outrun love and the people that I love pay a price. Why was Jesus sitting and having dinner in Luke 14 in the first place? Because love has a speed. And chances are Jesus' love was slower than you and I. His love didn't rush past. Jesus had three years to change the world, and what does he do? He sits down at dinner table after dinner table the God of the universe, so that people could look in the eyes of God himself that if they ever doubt, and if you ever doubt, and if you ever wonder if you matter, if you are important, if God sees you, if he feels your pain, (laughs) he's sitting across from you at the table. And we say, I'm too tired. I can't go this week. I I can't be a part of that. I I can't fit serving into my schedule. I had a small group one time. It's just a little bit too inconvenient to get, to get together. <laughs> Jesus is inviting you to the table. Don't miss it today. Whatever that might be, making weekly worship a priority amidst all the distractions and other commitments that you have. Maybe it's reconnecting with old friends in your small group and being creative, as so many of our groups have, and getting online together. Maybe it's getting outside of your bubble to serve on Sundays here at church. Our volunteers get so close. They get to know each other by serving. Maybe it's reaching out to somebody from Elam that you've met in one of our Be the Bridge classes or one of our all-church Zooms and you've met somebody. I I really like you. Well, I, I, I can't talk to them. They're in a different church. We're one church now, baby. We're family. You are family with these folks. Reach out to them, email them, give them a call. Maybe it's extending the invitation to somebody that needs to experience Jesus through this community next weekend. Say, I'm going, I'm going to 9.30, I'm going to 11. I'm picking you up, come with me. I cannot get over the fact that these young men in the video were so moved because no elderly person should have to eat alone. And I agree, when Tiffany and I go out to eat, she she just has a heart of gold. And she notices these things. And it just wrecks both of us. But how much more so should our hearts break for people that are out there living their lives alone at the table? That don't know the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. Make... The invitation. And finally, no matter what your circumstances, whether you're empty or you're fearful or you're discouraged or you're hurting, whether you're in the mountaintop or the valley today, you are still invited to the party. You are not disqualified today. And that's what we're going to sing about. As the worship team leads us in our final song, whether I'm in the mountain or I'm in the valley or anywhere in between, my God has not left me. He's been with me this entire year of 2020. He hasn't left. He is with you. And worship is not about how I'm feeling. It's about who God is. And he is worthy of our worship today. Amen? Amen. Wherever you're at, let's stand top and bottom and let's sing and let's worship together.